Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta. Over there to my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing wonderful today. Uh, we had some baseball this weekend, believe it or not. Yeah, we, we have to address the, uh, the elephant in the room here. Baseball was played... Uh, over the weekend, uh, games that count, uh, MLB games, games with, uh, I, I don't know if anybody heard about this, but there's some new rules. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got, we were getting DMs. I was getting emails being like, hey, are you going to address the baseball Yeah, on your show? Well, we're doing it right here. So you can you can stop complaining now. We're, yeah. We're addressing, we're addressing what everyone wants to hear. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a long-standing thing with us. Is mm-hmm. you know, when are we going to talk about baseball? And and today is that day. Yeah, today is that day. I know you guys were waiting off almost three or three and a half years for it. Yeah, yeah. Two, we're, you we're know, finally doing it. Two hundred thirty-four times you've clicked play, and this time this time we're talking about baseball. So, uh, you know, happy happy to to finally address it. And yeah, um, really exciting stuff. Uh, the WBC is awesome but it's it's great to have just a full slate of mlb games uh where you know 30 teams are playing uh all the storylines that you've been thinking about for the last five months are all coming into fruition uh you get to overreact a lot which is a lot of fun um love it love love having the season back for sure Absolutely, absolutely. All thirty teams played three to four games. Uh, not a single game was rained out on opening weekend. Yeah, I feel like that's got to be like a first since like eighteen seventy three. Uh, yeah, it, according to Elias. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's always there's always at least one. Um, yeah, I know, I know the last two Red Sox opening days have been uh postponed. Yep. Um, until the next day. So especially yeah, in the Northeast where it's just like. It's always just kind of weird at this time of year. Mm-hmm. It seems like it rains every other day. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing happening on opening day. And yeah, we got to see all thirty teams. Just so fun. Yeah, it was very, it was a very action packed weekend. Um, the new rules, I think, pretty much. I, th- I think two out of the three, we're seeing some very clear uh, effects being made. I wouldn't say the shift ban has done too much. Yeah, it, which is like. You know, a big win for like the super edgy analytic nerd guys that were like, "I told you." Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Rowdy Telez is not hitting eight hundred. Yeah, like I uh, thought he would. Yeah, it's it's really just a travesty. The, uh, what is the league BABIP on pulled ground balls? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm looking at the, uh, at the, uh, I'm trying to look at the batting average on ground balls this year because I know after opening day, you know, I, I put out a tweet o- overreaction Friday uh, that oh. On opening day, league average on bat- league average on uh, ground balls was two sixty seven, um, which was twenty six points above last year's league average. Um, but uh, in terms of over the weekend, the Babbitt, the league Babbitt on pulled ground balls is one ninety nine. 
uh, which is last year it was 192, but in 2017 it was 226. Okay, so yeah, it, it hasn't quite made its mark yet. <laughs> Maybe ground balls at the middle is where is where we see the difference. Um, yeah, league. Uh, so the league batting average on ground balls this year is 240, which is one point less than last year. Yes, great. Um, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, I will say the league BABIP on ground balls up the middle is at its lowest point in the Statcast era. Yeah. So the 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 shift bin is actually taking away hits. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That's not. Really <laughs> how it works. So that's all a very small sample size. Yeah. So, so uh, so far that's that's what we got. That's, yeah. That's that's where we're at on uh on ground balls. We were. We're excited for the breakouts of potential guys like Corey Seager, Rowdy Telez, uh, Max Kepler. However, it's not happening quite yet. But I wonder, uh, I wonder what percent of the league batted balls are pulled ground balls. Um, league ground balls. Yeah, I don't know. Probably forty percent or something. Yeah, that's usually what it is. Or like forty-five. You know, you roll over sometimes. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out uh, how how do we find the. Well, it's actually at its highest point since the Statcast era. Twenty three point eight percent of batted balls are pulled ground balls. Uh, actually, it's two and a half points above the the next highest in the Statcast era, twenty fifteen. So, yeah, hmm. we people have been going for it more. It just we just haven't gotten those results. Yeah, no, 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 definitely not. Um. So yeah, we'll, it'll be interesting to see that uh, take shape. I'm trying to find how to look at the uh, league stolen base success rate, um, but I think yesterday it's uh, overwhelmingly successful. It's like 84 percent or yeah. something. Um, that's pretty wild. Um, I'm gonna. I think we're so we're gonna get into uh, we're gonna talk about our top overreactions and and maybe one or two things not to overreact to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. I'll be getting into uh, some stuff regarding, you know, it's uh, Daniel had the idea to do uh, one player overreaction, one team overreaction, and one league overall overreaction. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'll probably get more into the stolen base stuff with the with the uh, with my league overreaction, but uh, but yeah, there's, <clears throat> yeah, I think there's one forgotten. There's one rule that like. There were two really big rules, and the third one was kind of like hidden back there. But it's ta- I think it's going to take a real big effect, um, which I'll get into for sure. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, do you know what? What were your? I don't know. Do we want to get into overreactions or just talk a little bit about the the weekend of baseball? Um, let's talk for like five minutes about the weekend. Um, I mean, what opening day? Every team played. Um, I don't know. I don't. What I do? You have any particular takeaways from opening day specifically? Opening day. Opening day. I mean, uh, just in terms of individual performances, like Dylan Cole, Dylan sees Garrett Cole, Dylan sees Dylan sees goes into Minute Maid Park, uh, faces the Astros on their ring ceremony night, and uh, strikes out ten batters. Doesn't walk anybody, which is you know not the Dylan Cease way particularly. Um, that was pretty cool, you know. I think, you know, it's it it showed why you know he was able to have the Cy Young runner up season that he that he had last year, 
that was pretty cool. Um, you know, lots of swings and misses, lots of chases as well. Um, so Dylan C is having a great performance. Uh, also, I, I think, and this is not one of my team overreactions, but I, I kind of, I think the White Sox have a maybe a little bit of a different energy. Yeah. You know, they went Pedro in. Griefall, new manager. I yeah. mean, they, they split with the Astros at home uh, in yeah. the first series after after going all the way. Mm-hmm. That's certainly a good sign. Right. Uh, and also, like, the two games they were lo- they lost, they were in both of them. It's not like they got blown out in any game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the, first, the first game they kind of won late. And uh, I feel like that wasn't exactly what they were doing. Um, exactly what they were doing last year. I could be wrong, though. Um, but yeah, from opening day particularly, um, yeah, not not too much. Uh, do you want to talk about the rest of the weekend? Yeah, I mean the rest of the weekend. I I've had like the the quad box on MLB TV going the whole time. Uh, the the Rockies splitting with the Padres was fun. The Diamondbacks splitting with the Dodgers was interesting. The Diamondbacks in particular, I'm very intrigued about because. All of their first, like, 15 games are against, like, the Dodgers and Padres. Like, they face the Dodgers this weekend. They face the Padres this week. They face the Dodgers again next weekend. And I think it might even be the Padres again after that. Let me, I, I got to check. But, I mean, you know, they, the Dodgers had, like, one of the better run differentials because they won, they, like, both the games they lost, they lost 2-1. to one, And then, like, you know, they won 10-1 on uh, Saturday. They won significantly on an opening day as well. But if the Diamondbacks can get through these first, you know, 15 or so games you know, with a decent enough record, they're going to be really interesting the rest of the way, especially with less divisional play this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, you already eliminated that many games against the Dodgers and Padres still looking good. Okay, so they're, so real quick, uh, the, the Diamondbacks schedule, they face the Dodgers. They have two against the Padres this week. They bring the Dodgers in for four this weekend at their place. And then they face the Brewers at home, who are, you know, a, a potential playoff team. And they go on the road to face the Marlins, kind of the one-trap series. And they're on the road against the Cardinals, a very good team. We saw a lot of good offense from them this weekend. And they are home against the Padres. Yeah. That's how they start their season. Yeah. Like, yeah. they really only get one trap series in there. Right, right. And it's, you know, it's still a Marlins team that is very good pitching and has and is good on, on many different angles. Right, yeah. Or like, they're, good, they're, not, they're not an easy... They're not like an easy sweep by yeah. any means. They they're especially always, on a sandy day. Yeah, especially and also they're like a Marlins game is typically low scoring, which is also typically closer. So there's more room. There's more wiggle room in those games. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, the, <laughs> that sucks for the Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that you know, with their division, yeah, yeah, they'll have they'll have you know them having less divisional play is a good thing because they have three pretty competitive teams. Obviously the Dodgers and Padres are, are, uh, both, you know, if, if one wasn't in the NL West, they'd be a division favorite in another division. Um, they're two like division winning caliber teams. Yep. Um, and then the giants are also, you know, uh, you know, coming off a 500 season and could be facing some bounce backs as well. Uh, in their year made some additions as well along with subtractions, but some additions. So yeah, not outside of the Rockies, which actually don't seem to be a tough out based on what they did this weekend, but outside the Rockies, not a lot of easy outs with the NL West. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, what was going on at, uh, at Fenway was pretty fun. 
Yeah. Some fun games going on. Yeah, the Red Sox scored nine plus runs in each of their first three games for the first time in franchise history. The yeah. Orioles became the first team to steal five to steal five bases in each of their first uh, two games. Yeah, wow. A lot of history being made on both sides. Right. Um, Red Sox ended up winning the series, although the Orioles easily could have. In fact, they should have. Yeah. You know, Ryan McKenna dropped a routine fly ball mm-hmm. uh, that would have ended the game, and instead Adam Duvall hit a walk-off two-run home run. Uh, for the first walk off of the season, right, right, yeah, uh, some yeah, it was some interesting game. It was like not really clean baseball the first couple days. Like uh, even even in the game before where the Orioles won, uh, they had their their potential third out of the ninth inning was uh, thrown into the ground for an error. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was to turn a double play, so I don't know if it was technically an error, but still just not not well played. Uh, baseball. The, oh uh, yeah, if you look at the uh, the like the defensive outs above average rankings on Fangraphs, the Orioles are like a mile below everyone else, <laughs> even this early in the season. That's wild. Yeah, it's been four game or three games. Their defense is ranked. They're at they're at minus six point two. Wow. And the next lowest is minus two point four. Yeah. Like their their defense is already beyond awful at this point. <laughs> Obviously that can change. It probably will change. I don't think they're going to stay on that pace forever. It's funny because their offense is also the best. Or the or no, they are ranked the best. Their offensive runs above average is ranked first. Their defense is ranked last. That's fun. Yeah, I noticed I noticed with uh Cedric Mullins uh who uh, I have a significant interest in this year. Mm-hmm. Uh he he had like negative 2 out he or negative 1.5 defensive runs above average or something already. Yep. Cuz he had this weird yeah, the first at bat of the of the year for the Red Sox, he like, I think he was like right against the wall and he thought there was more wall, but there wasn't. And it just landed. That was a Verdugo triple. Yeah. 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 So I could see how that could negatively affect his defense. But yeah. And then in, uh, also on opening day, the Red Sox walked like nine guys. There's some weird baseball going on. Over There's always night. more walks in April too. Yeah. It seems there's like always it. less slugging and more walks. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So do we want to get into our overreactions now? Absolutely, absolutely. What's your uh, what's your first overreaction? Right. We'll go players first. So my player overreaction uh, comes from a team that we saw a lot of offensive success out of this weekend. I think the Nolan Gorman breakout is real. Nolan Gorman hit two home runs yesterday. Uh, overall, in three games and 13 plate appearances, he is slashing 444, 615, 1111 uh, for a... 375 weighted runs created plus. He also has a 30% walk rate. Uh, so pretty much everything on offense he's doing very well. He's hitting for contact. He's hitting for power. Uh, he, like I mentioned, two home runs yesterday. He's walking a lot. His strikeout rate is 23%, but that's something that I can get over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as it doesn't go anywhere up from there. Um, I really, I really think Nolan Gorman has a chance to break out as a uh, as another infielder for the Cards, who also who already have a stacked infield with. Brandon Donovan, who looked very good this weekend, with and obviously with Arnato and Goldschmidt, those two go without saying. Uh, if he can, if he can continue to perform, maybe not exactly like this, but if he can be a 125 weighted runs created plus bat all year, the Cardinals are going to look really good. I mean, they could be a much more formidable foe in the NL than we saw them. You know, in comparison to the teams in the East and the West. So I'm buying into Nolan Gorman uh, after Game Three of the season. Yeah, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, Gorman was he was he like a top one hundred prospect? Oh guy? yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was he was up there in the prospect rankings. So uh, cool to see him come up and do big things at the uh, major league level, and especially against uh, a very quality MLB team in the Blue Jays. It's not like he was crushing the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, player overreaction. Trace Thompson's success from last year could be sustainable. Uh, he had a 901 OPS with the Dodgers last year, and we're all like, you know, he's, you know, he's he could be good, but he's probably not going to be that good. You know, maybe maybe that's not the case. Maybe maybe he's able to put up a 900 OPS again or something like that. I mean, it's not like he got a 900 OPS last year through uh, hitting ground balls through the hole. He had a crazy sweet spot rate, crazy barrel rate. In fact, uh, 16.4% barrel rate last year, 45.0% sweet spot rate, and uh, 92.2 mile per hour average exit velocity last year. And, uh, you know, if you didn't see on Saturday, he had three home runs, all of the exact same exit velocity to the decimal, which was pretty cool, pretty stellar. Uh, He hit three home runs at exactly 107.5 miles per hour. Um, So I think there's reason to believe that uh, Trace Thompson could be a staple of that Dodgers lineup. And, and, you know, we shouldn't really look past, uh, you know, we shouldn't look past the Dodgers beyond, um, Freeman, Betts, Smith and, and Muncie, because yeah, this guy, although he kind of came out of nowhere, he, he hasn't shown that he has the underlying numbers and he hasn't shown that, uh, he's going to have any signs of a drop off quite yet. Sure, it could happen, but we just haven't seen that yet. So maybe uh, Trace Thompson's success could be sustainable for 2023. Yeah, the Dodgers are... And I know we both picked the Padres in the NOS, but the Dodgers just feel inevitable. Like, part of me feels like at the end of the season, I'll be like, yeah, of course James Altman outperformed Juan Soto, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm mostly kidding on that. Yeah, that would yeah. be That would be insane. Yeah. But that's just how the Dodgers are sometimes. Yep, yep. Um, so we're also throwing in some people, some, some players to not, or, or some things to not overreact to. Yeah. Uh, is yours a, is your thing a player also? Uh, mine is a team thing. Okay. Also, I'll start with, uh, I'm pretty sure I know what yours is. Yeah. You, you know what mine is. I've talked about it. I tweeted about it. Um, and maybe, maybe less people are popping off than I figured, but I figure, you know, the casual fan, uh, isn't going to look too deeply into this but i remember i i did see jr from C- cbs sports radio who i follow because he came here mm-hmm. uh a, a year and a half ago but and he's not really a baseball guy but uh he was tweeting about the jacob de grom start and it looking bad uh and you know i tweeted out something about the uh stats that de grom had or actually i deleted it because it because i i had one thing wrong but somebody somebody replied to me like, well, you know, I'm alarmed because I'm alarmed as a Mets fan who uh, wants to see him degrominate. However, like it, he didn't read what I was saying at all. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the game, you could see that he was not getting killed. Uh, so with Jacob Degrom, yeah, he, he had an absolutely dominant first inning. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, anyone sounding the Jacob Degrom alarm should not be listened to. Uh, so yeah, he gave up he gave up six hits. In three and two thirds innings, uh, five runs, five earned. Um, however, 
Four of the five extra base hits he allowed were on batted balls of less than 92 mile per hour exit velocities, and two were less than 70 miles per hour. In 2022, no pitcher had four or more extra base hits allowed of 92 miles per hour or less. In 2022, no pitcher allowed that many extra base hits with those low exit velocities. And no pitcher also allowed two or more extra base hits of 70 miles per hour or less in a single game. Uh, so so no, one, no one was as unlucky uh, with soft extra base hits last year in a single game as Jacob deGrom was in uh, the opening day start against the Phillies. Um, so, so yeah, so he allowed some soft hit balls that just were in the exact right spot. Also doesn't help when, uh, you know, Trey Turner was one of the guys on the bases who ended up legging out a triple on a ball that he hit uh, only 69.2 miles per hour or something like that. Uh, and meanwhile, G- Jacob deGrom... He struck out seven of 17 batters, walked nobody, and had a 28% whiff rate and 34% chase rate. Uh, I'm not concerned with Jacob deGrom at all because the lack of luck he had with extra base hits uh, is is something that we never saw in a game last year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's obviously not something that's going to be uh, happening in the foreseeable future. So uh, I am not overreacting to Jacob DeGrom giving up five runs to uh, to start the year. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to teams. Yeah, so my, my teams thing uh, actually kind of goes uh, somewhat in line with your Jacob DeGrom take because just because he faced them over the weekend. I think the Phillies are going to be fighting an uphill battle throughout the year. Uh, they got swept by the Rangers over the weekend. Their pitching gave up 27 runs in the first two games. Uh, the Rangers, I believe, scored the second most runs in their first two games throughout any season, any team. Yeah. Um. So they had a historic weekend. They won two to one last night on Sunday Night Baseball. Martin Perez looked really good. Uh, Josh Young homered, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty cool. Um. But I I do worry about the Phillies, especially in that lineup. You know, uh, Harper and Hoskins are not only two important bats, but also two guys that you want to have in the lineup just for you know the morale of everyone else. Yeah. Um. But that lineup does not, you know, Derek Hall was heading fourth on opening day. That's not right. exactly what I wanted to see from the reigning National League champs. World Series hangover, I know that, you know, people really only talk about it with the team that wins. But I think it's possible to see it out of the defending NL champions as well. Uh, Nola and Wheeler, they obviously didn't look very good. But I'm willing to put those aside and say that, you know, they'll be fine. Um, Bailey Falter looked pretty decent last night. But that offense... Uh, or just the team in general looks very inconsistent, and I have a feeling that they're going to be playing with something to prove every single day. Yeah, you know, there's not going to be a ga- game that goes by where it's like, oh, they lost, but whatever. Um, you know, it feels like they're really going to be fighting for a lot throughout the entire season this year. Right, right, and you mentioned Harper and Hoskins, like not only good for the, uh, for you know the what's on the field, which is you know hitting home runs, doubles, getting on base, mm-hmm. and whatnot, but you know, also for the morale, as you said, mm-hmm. those are both guys that are in at least their fifth year with the Phillies. Um, not the same can be said for everybody in that lineup. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're very experienced guys, very experienced with the organization. Um, so, uh, so yeah, not having them in there, something feels a little bit off. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, like 
it, we shouldn't see the Dodgers lineup just through Betts, Turner, or Betts, Freeman, you know, Will Smith, Max Muncy. I think it's a little more acceptable to see the Phillies lineup just for Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, uh, Nick Castellanos. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, because... Because you know, I I put uh, Derek Hall as a as a player to watch, but I put him under the assumption like, hey, his strikeout rate could go down and he could be dominant. Like, he he does well on contact, but he strikes out a lot, swings and misses a lot, and you know, there's a lot of you know, Bryson Stott hasn't quite developed into yeah. an above average major league hitter quite yet. I will say the. Uh the bottom of the Phillies lineup actually looked pretty good this weekend, especially last night. Like Bryson Stott had two hits, Edmundo Sosa had two hits. Um, so you know, I am I am saying this with the knowledge that the bottom of the lineup actually did kind of do its job. I did forget to mention JT Realmuto uh, in looking yeah. at the Phillies lineup, but yeah, I mean he's there. I do think, and this is not to say that they'll be bad, but I think they're going to be fighting for something to prove every single day. Yeah, yeah, this absolutely. Is my take. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know the bullpen also did not look good this weekend. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez gave up a home run to Mitch Garver. Right. Yeah. They uh, they got Taiwan Walker going tonight. That that'll be his yeah. first time in a Phillies uniform. So, yep. and it's against the the Yankees in the Bronx. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Matt Strom is starting tomorrow. He's already made a relief appearance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So that's not great. Yeah. But you know Ranger Suarez hopefully will be back soon. Mm-hmm. I don't know the timetable for him exactly, but uh, he had a strained elbow, which is like the least severe. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, my uh, so yeah, my my team overreaction. Uh, I have no hope for the Detroit Tigers right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, they were outscored twenty-one to three over the weekend against the Rays, and you know, with, with all these overreactions with opening weekend, obviously. All teams have only faced one team, so you could yeah. be like, oh, the Rays the Rays are really good, or you could be like, oh, the Tigers are really bad. I'm taking the Tigers a really bad route because they just look hopeless right now. Uh, their offense had a 15-weighted runs created plus, which is wor- which was worst in baseball, and their pitching had a 5.09 FIP to go along with that. The offense had the fifth-lowest exit velocity and fifth-lowest sweet spot percentage and also the second-lowest line drive rate along with the fourth highest strikeout rate and fourth highest whiff rate. Their whiff rate was uh, 31.2%, which is pretty bad. Um, and uh, they also had the lowest, uh, they had the worst expected WOBA, expected slugging, and expected batting average in baseball over the weekend. And their expected WOBA was 229, uh, and the next worst was 43 points ahead at 272. Uh, I think like, you know, the offense was already really bad last year at, with an 84 OPS plus, um, you know, based on, or actually also, I will say Austin Meadows had a somewhat decent weekend. I think he hit, you know, 400, 900 OPS, which meant, you know, he probably went four for 10 or something, but, uh, but the Tigers, I, I just don't, I, I, I put them in last place for a reason. And this isn't me, me saying that the, Royals are going to do crazy better, but I just, I don't like what the Tiger, based off that first weekend, I don't like what the Tigers are giving me. Um, even, you know, their pitching uh, did not look good either. Obviously, 5.09 FIP. Um, you know, them getting rid of Soto, Chafin, and Jimenez over the offseason when their bullpen was 
uh, one of their best assets. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't think that's going to work for them. And I think there's a possibility that like AJ Hintz gets a boot mid season. Wow. Um, and you know, it, I think it's more like, a organization, it would be more an organization sending a signal or something. Um, you know, trying to satisfy the fan base or something. It's just because I don't see the team performing very well throughout the season. And mm-hmm. this would be a, this would be the second time the Tigers underperformed uh, in a row. And, uh, you know, even even in A.J. Hinch's uh, good year, you know, they were still a 77-win team. They did perform above expectations. But, you know, since then, you know, they had a 66-win season. And uh, if it gets worse... Then yeah, AJ Hinge might be uh, might be out of there. Although it could be an organization overreaction. I'm not saying that it would be justified, but we could see that. We yeah, could see that. And the the worst thing is it's not even like anyone from the lineup is missing. Like this is like what they showed out this weekend. That's what they got. Like yeah. they're not waiting for any prospects. They're not waiting for someone to come back from the injured list. The lineup that we watched out you know this weekend against the Rays is what their best is. Which yeah. is an issue if that's how they're going to perform. Obviously, they're not going to have a 15 weighted runs created plus all season, but right. And and I was wa- there is a lot of reason for concern, no doubt. Yeah, and out of curiosity, I put on the um, Jeffrey Springs start yesterday. I, like I just went through, watched all of his uh, all of his innings last night, um, and yeah, he he did look great. He looked to get everything on the corner, but the Tigers showed no aggressive no aggressiveness at the plate yesterday. Like they mm-hmm. were getting. It seemed like there was an 0-2 count every single at bat there against was. Jeffrey I Springs. Was actually watching it live. Yeah, it was. It, you know, they just look like like get the bat off your shoulders, guys. Come on, like you get you got to start swinging the bat eventually because Springs is consistently hitting these corners. Mm-hmm. So you got to pick out a pitch and and uh, and try to get a hit. And they didn't get a hit against Springs. So I'm uh, I'm very concerned about the Tigers uh, as my team overreaction. All right. League overreaction. My league overreaction, multiple teams will steal steal over 200 bases this year. Uh, the only In the 21st century, only one team has stolen 200 bases, and it was the 2007 New York Mets stealing exactly 200. I think multiple teams will surpass that this year. We've seen stolen bases jump up at a crazy rate. There are 21 attempted steals on opening day when there was only six on opening day last year. The overwhelming majority of them have been have been successful. Uh, the Orioles obviously made history, like I mentioned before, becoming the first team uh in baseball history to steal five bases in each of their first two games. Uh, they ran wild on the Red Sox and Reese McGuire. I think it's also possible that, like, you know, the, the Red Sox, uh, Reese McGuire looked really bad trying to throw out runners. It's possible they could, like, set a, a X-year record for most stolen bases given up in a season. You know, I don't think they're going to set an all-time record because stolen bases were free in, like, the 1800s and early 1900s. Yeah. That was just, like, a way of life. Yeah, like exactly. It's only, like, yeah, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But um, shout out Billy Hamilton, the OG. Yes, the OG Billy Hamilton. Um, Anthony Volpe stole a base in each of his first three games. Yeah, he's, he's still on pace for 162 stolen bases. Um, you know, we've seen a large jump in stolen base numbers across the league, and I think that's just going to keep piling up over the summer. Yeah, yeah, it 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 looks that way. Um, yeah, you, you can obviously th- see. The, you can obviously see the impact uh, that it has on the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my league overreaction. Um, my league overreaction is that the pickoff rule will have more of an impact on the game this year 
than the shift rule. Um, I agree. It's and this is be maybe it's it's probably not objectively that hot of a take, but heading into the year, all people could talk about was pitch clock, uh, shift, big, shift, and bigger bases, bigger bases, and the bigger bases like. I don't think it's that much of an impact. I think it's three in, three inches mm-hmm. uh, bigger. So from that's a combined six inches uh, from uh, first from first to second base. Right. That's six inches out of a uh, thousand eighty, if my <laughs> math is correct. Um, I don't think that's the thing. I think it's because the pitchers can not go over uh, more than twice. Otherwise, if they don't get the guy. Yeah. It's a it's an automatic balk like that. I was I forget who I was watching this weekend, but there was a guy on base like an I think it was Corbin Carroll uh, was on base against uh, against Noah Syndergaard, which is just straight up not fair because he is so slow to the plate, um, and he picked off twice. And literally the second time that he picked off, Corbin Carroll was like leaning towards second base, like his mm-hmm. body was literally facing second base, just ready to go, and he stole two bases, and Will Smith didn't even make a throw. Yeah. Like, he was just like, it, he's there. Right. Yeah, like, and and I, I, I do think it's a problem. I think it's very unfair to the pitchers. Um, I never understood that one, which I kind of, actually, I do understand it because with the pitch clock thing, they could use pickoffs as, like, a way to avoid, to, like, dodge the pitch clock. True. Like it's, if, it's, if it's ever at two and they're not ready, they could just throw off a thousand times until they're ready. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it does, you know, it does provide a very big unfair advantage with stolen bases. Right. And, and if the... If the stats I were seeing were correct, the league stolen base success rate was 84%. Last year mm-hmm. was like 75%. I don't think it's really supposed to be like that. I don't no. think I don't think that 70 Not even Ricky Henderson was that good. No, no, no. Like and I I think uh over the course of the history of the game, caught stealing percentage has been going down and down because I think teams are a little smarter with how they how they approach base stealing. Mm-hmm. But this is pretty wild i don't think 17 out of 20 times you should be a, a stealing second base or yeah, third base no. successfully i don't think that should be happening it's 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 pretty absurd and i think especially like if you think about it like you don't know how long that bat's gonna be you know think about a potential guy just fouling off five pitches in a row and this guy is basically halfway to second base now because mm-hmm. you've used you used your two pickoffs seven pitches ago. Uh, I th- it's there needs I I'd like to see adjustment. I know it's not going to happen because MLB they make a rule they don't turn back on it. Um, we saw that with the uh, ghost runner rule. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. So I'll have to live with it. I'll have to learn to adjust to it. But I think it's it's very unfair, although it adds maybe a little bit of excitement. Maybe if they just increased it from like three up to five or something like that. Yeah. You know, five. You know, five is obviously that seems like too much, but three like it's because it's basically two because the odds of you picking somebody off is very rare. So you basically get two pickoffs, and uh, I think that's very unfair. And I think it's that's that's the biggest impact. I think. MLB was advertising like, oh, bigger bases, stol- more stolen bases. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's it's the pickoffs. Because yeah. when you can't go over more than twice, basically, um, it's going to – it. this this is the most game-altering thing. Like, it, at all levels, this would be a problem. And uh, it's showing – Do they even ever try that at a different level? Um. I don't think so. Because no. every other thing, like maybe not the shift ban, but like the pitch clock, they tried at other levels. The ghost runner, they tried at other levels. 
I don't think they ever did the pickoff role at any other level. Right. Yeah. Like it. It's just. <laughs> I. I. You know. I was, you know, a very, very amateur pitcher, but I could not imagine if I were playing like in high school and I could only go over uh, twice in, yeah. in an at-bat and I could use it in the first two pitches and then it's a seven-pitch at-bat and, you know, the guy's at third now. It's tough. It's very tough. Um, all right, that's what I have on the pickoff rule. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what was your uh, non-overreaction? My non-overreaction was... I don't really have too many numbers to back this up, but I think we should pump the brakes a little bit on the Rangers. Um, they obviously looked very good this weekend against the Phillies team that I already addressed. Um, and they're obviously going to be in a very competitive AL West where the Angels lost the game where they should have beat the A's. The Mariners dropped three out of four to the uh, to the Guardians, and the Astros split with the White Sox. So the Rangers you know, came out of the weekend looking like the best team in the AL West. I think a lot of people are putting a lot of stock in them right now. I want to see a little more from them. Uh, it's not just, a, it's not like I didn't see enough. It's just, I, you know, it's been a small sample size, only three games against one team. Uh, and I would like to see it against basically divisional opponents. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have too many numbers to go into it, but my, my not overreacting to it was, I want to see more from the Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Understandable. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess that'll lead into our uh, first edition yes, of sir. players to highlight since uh, October. Th- yeah, first week of October. So basically, been six months now since we've done it. I, I got to go back to the old files. By the way, I, I'm. If anyone listens to this, hold me to this. I wanna, I wanna try a new. Uh, I wanna try to to get like an actual edited like how about that and yeah. slightly alarming intro where where it, it's something you can. Uh, do instead of just instead of only the uh that'd be a major upgrade of the, the show the thing from my th- the thing from my phone so hold me to it i was i was thinking of, i was planning on doing it prior to the season but i had you know other you know other things to tend to first uh but yeah i'd like to do that i think it would it would add some uh add a little production element um but yeah i would i would love to do that so i'll i'm saying that to manifest it for the future for sure but um we will start um, with uh, players that uh, have really stood out over the weekend with our um, Monday, April 3rd, 2023 edition of... Um, who do you have for us today? So, as you know, Chris, every first How About That of the year, I do two. That's been a tradition yep. of mine for a couple of years now. This will be the third year that I'm doing it. Um that's exactly what it did. I always do one batter and one pitcher. Uh, I actually remember every one. So in 2021, my my two were Kyle Isbell and Julian Merriweather. Hmm. Uh, last year, it was Eduardo Escobar and Yoan Duran. Uh, this year, my hitter for my first How About That of the Year is Miguel Vargas, who looked really, really interesting for the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I, I saw he's not my player, but I saw him. Yeah. I, I, saw, I saw his numbers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hilarious. So through four games, he is slashing a very normal 400, 769, 600, 1369 with a 305 weighted runs created plus. Uh, his four batted balls this year so far, 
I have an average exit velocity of 97.6 miles per hour, also a sweet spot percent and hard hit percent of 75%. So three out of four batted balls have been hard hit and in the sweet spot, which is excellent. Uh, He has also yet to hit a ground ball or a pop-up. Every one of his batted balls has been a fly ball or a line drive. Uh, Unbelievably, his expected statistics are actually suggesting that he's been unlucky. He has a 430 expected batting average and a 979 expected slugging. Uh, That is because he had a 105.2 mile per hour, 24 degree launch angle, 384 foot double uh, in one of those... uh, batted balls that you know should have been a home run but it was hit to the wrong part of the park he also had a 98.5 mile per hour 19 degree 311 foot line out uh that obviously could have been a double uh maybe even a triple but probably we're probably working on the assumption that it's a double most of the time uh obviously it was nothing uh he also this is the most important thing this is the stat that i've been hyping up to you chris miguel vargas had eight walks and five at bats this weekend <laughs> He is the seventh player in MLB history to have eight-plus walks in five or less at-bats in any four-game span. The other six are Ted Williams, Darren Dalton, Mark McGuire, Larry Walker, Barry Bonds, and David Ortiz. And now you can add Miguel Vargas to that list. Wow. He's on, wow. A, he's on a list of seven, and two of the seven are Ted Williams and Barry Bonds. Yeah, that gets, that gets a... How about that? Little... little well, how about that action yeah, for sure? No doubt. Uh, and my pitcher for how about that, you mentioned him earlier, is Jeffrey Springs. Mm. Uh, he looked awesome over the weekend. Granted, it was against that Tigers team. But nonetheless, he is leading all pitchers in F4 with .5. The next closest is .3. Uh, his line on Sunday was six innings pitched, no hits, no runs, one walk, and 12 strikeouts. He had a game score of 83. Um, and he is the second person in Rays franchise history to put up a game score above 80 within the team's first five games of the season. The other was Mark Hendrickson in 2006. Um, I actually watched this game live. I I came for Joey Wentz, but I stayed for Jeffrey Springs. um, Because Joey Wentz is one of my players to watch, and I wanted to watch him throw his cutter, which he didn't do. He threw his fastball more. And he gave up an absolute shot to Randy Rosarena. Anyway, uh... Springs became the third pitcher in MLB history with 12-plus strikeouts and no hits allowed in their first start of the season. The other two were done in the last two years. Yeah. 2021 Jose Barrios, yeah. which was one of your How About Thats, and 2022 Clayton Kershaw, which, of course, we remember was the the perfect game that he got taken out of. Yeah. Uh, so someone's got to do it next year to keep the trend going. Yeah. Um, of the six batted balls that he gave up, They had launch angles of negative 2 degrees, 2 degrees, 4 degrees, 43 degrees, another 43 degrees, and then 81 degrees. So he had a sweet spot percentage of 0%, uh, which was excellent. Of the 37 four-seam fastballs that he threw, 14 of them resulted in called strikes. Among the 1,662 outings in Tampa Bay Rays history, where a pitcher has recorded at least one called strike among at least 25 four-seam fastballs, Springs' called strike rate of 37.8% ranked 18th. That is 18th among 1,662. He threw his fat. And by the way, it's funny that I mentioned Tampa Bay Rays history because I quite literally mean that because the Tampa Bay Rays 
became a franchise in 2008. They yeah. were the Devil Rays before then, and the pitch tracking era go also goes back to 2008. So I literally mean that when I say franchise history. Yeah. Uh, since the, since the name change, so that's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, he threw his fastball, changeup, and sweeper a total of 37, 28, and 10 times respectively, and he had a called strike and whiff rate above 39% on all of them, which is all of those are elites. Overall, he had a called strike and whiff rate of 41%, which is excellent. Uh, he looked pretty unhittable in that start. Every pitch was going well for him. Uh, and yeah, Jeffrey Springs is my second how about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Springs, a little indirect uh, victory lap also. That was my player to watch uh, from the Rays, which, you know, to be fair, one of my more uh, obvious choices um that I picked for a player to watch, but yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, to, to add to that. Uh, oh yeah. That's a victory lap for you. Yeah. little indirect. I, wait. So fun fact. So remember how last year we were t- trying to figure out a term for like when you put a player on slightly alarming that, that, uh, that was your play to watch. No, no, no. The, like, it, like we were trying to come up with a term for like when you, when you highlight a player on slightly alarming, that was one of your players to watch. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think, I think I figured out a name. It's the, it's the talk of shame. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's sticking. That's so, sticking. For so sure. real quick, just just going over the terminology for how about that's slightly alarming. If you if you highlight a player on how about that that was previously a slightly alarming earlier in the season, that's a comeback special. The other way around is a freeze over. Uh, anytime you have multiple how about that's in a season, it's a how about these. Anytime yep. you have two slightly alarmings, it is a it is you're entering the fro zone. Yes. <laughs> um, and then lastly, if you highlight a player to watch on How About That, that's a victory lap. And if you highlight a player to watch on Slightly Alarming, that is the talk of shame. Yep, yep. And if you're wondering why we did do the How About That, I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to look up um, this specific thing. But this, is, this really could have only been done in quarantine. I was studying up for... <laughs> I was studying up for the... Back when... We did the history series back when we were called Show to Be Named later. We were doing the Sandy Koufax episode, and I was interested in, like, watching his starts. And, you know, some of them were on YouTube, um, specifically Game 5 of the 1965 World Series against the Twins. Um, I'm trying to find where this originated because I just found it hilarious. So I can't find the video uh, or I can't find the specific... It was, a, uh, it was a picture, though, wasn't it? It was. It was on the scoreboard. Um, and I took a screenshot of it, but it's on my old computer, so I can't find it on my current computer right now. uh, No, I didn't. That's a lie. I didn't find it. But, uh, they just put on the scoreboard, like, oh, this is Sandy Koufax's, like, 22nd time striking out 10 or more batters. How about that exclamation point? So now, anytime we think of cool stats and, and find players to highlight, we call it a how about that. So that's, that's, that's the, uh... ARR glossary yeah, on the, uh, why that is. I, just just for warning for viewers, that story is way cooler for the slightly alarming origins. Yeah, and the slightly <laughs> alarming um, is... Uh, we'll get into it after I play the soundbite yeah. and after we're done with our slightly alarmings. But that's that's the reference for How About That. And the sound for How About That is uh, Tom Hamilton, the Guardian's radio announcer, uh, saying that after a Jose Ramirez home run. In 2016. In 2016. Uh, so now for my, uh, so yeah, Jeffrey Springs and uh, and Miguel Vargas. Miguel Vargas. How about that? Uh, so my 
uh, how about that? Um, this seemed, seems like the obvious choice, but maybe if you're not in this market, it's not quite as obvious. Although he did have a crazy, a big highlight, um, a big, uh, a big highlight on Saturday, particularly, but I'm talking about Adam Duvall. Um, you know, this I got to start the list. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about Adam Duvall. He went eight for 14 with two home runs, a triple and three doubles for a 571 average, 1357 slugging and 1957 OPS. Uh, it is the first time in the history of game logs. A player has had two home runs, a triple, three doubles and two singles in his first three games of the season. First time since 1901. That has ever happened to start the year. Uh, Duvall leads all 192 qualifiers in slugging, OPS, and weighted runs created plus. On 11 batted balls uh, over the weekend, he had five barrels. That's a 45.4% or 45.5% barrel rate and five line drives to go with that. Zero ground balls on 11 batted balls. Um so, uh, yeah, and Duvall's uh, five barrels were tied for the most in baseball over the weekend. Um, and, uh, yeah, he tied with Crone, who played one more game than Duvall did. Uh, and probably most importantly, uh, you know, with Duvall, you obviously know he's going to he's gonna put the ball in the air. He, he's always had a low ground ball rate, and he always hits the ball pretty hard, gets a lot of home runs. But, you know, strikeout rate has been more of an issue for him. On 25 swings uh, over the past weekend, Adam Duvall only swung and missed three times, uh, which is a rate of 12%. Um, that was really good. You know, albeit take it with what it is. He was facing the Orioles pitching staff, but at least, you know, last year they had a good bullpen. They're, they're kind of an average, uh, you know, for the case of this, uh, how about that? They're kind of an average pitching staff. Could be considered below average, but Adam Duvall was killing them. Uh, with a 1957 OPS in three games, five barrels. OPS. Any time your OPS is a year. Yeah, that's like, like a year where a team like won the World Series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's like no, dude, dude, it's 2023. We're not talking about 1957. Yeah, shout out to the Braves and uh, <laughs> Henry Aaron and and uh, and Eddie Matthews. Eddie Matthews, yeah. Shout out to them uh, and um, Warren Spawn. Shout out to them, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, 11 batted balls, 5 barrels, 5 line drives, 0 ground balls. I love that. 3 whiffs on 25 swings. Love that. So, uh, yeah, Red Sox fans have uh, something to be happy about so far with the guy with their uh, current center fielder, Adam Duvall. So, Adam Duvall is getting A. How about that? All right, so we already got the Rays, Red Sox, and Dodgers knocked off the list. Yes, yes, we making, do. Making progress. Making progress. We're 10% there. Um, already. All right. So now we move from the highs to the lows where we're talking players or subjects that, that, uh, underperformed over the weekend with our Monday, April 3rd, 2023 edition of, um, who do you have for us today? So, I mean, I think we should reemphasize what this segment is called slightly alarming and it means it means slightly alarming more in this show than any yes. other throughout the yes, year because this is the smallest sample size that we'll be going off of for this segment throughout the year. Uh, I don't anticipate that these guys will actually have a down year, especially to the degree that they did this weekend, but these guys struggled over the weekend. I'm talking about Alex Bregman, who uh, did not do very well. In 18 plate appearances overall, he is slashing 0 0 0 He only had two walks. That was the only 
ways he got on base throughout the the four games against the White Sox. Uh, he has no hits and only two walks, obviously. He has seven strikeouts, making it the first time he has struck out seven times in a four-game span since April of 2017. It's been six years since the last time Alex Bregman struck out this often in four games. Uh, and on the on the sorry on the eight batted balls he has this year, he has an average launch angle of 30 degrees, and all his launch angles are minus six, minus four, 24, 28, 29, 48, 60, 61. So he hasn't exactly hit it in the right way yet, uh, and he obviously hasn't made a ton of contact. That's really all I have on him. Uh, there's not too much to go off of in four games that right. I can really take seriously. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my slightly alarming comes from the – it goes hand-in-hand hand with the team I'm overreacting to, uh, but doesn't have to do with their offense. I laid off the pitching a little bit because I knew I'd get into this guy. But uh, Spencer Turnbull did not look great in his uh, – uh, in or yeah, first of all, I gotta get uh the Alex set. Bregman. I'm out I'm out of uh I'm out of I'm I'm knocking some rust off. Alex Bregman. Slightly alarming. Um but uh Spencer Turnbull, he went two and a third innings pitch, allowed seven earned runs and three walks uh against the Rays on Saturday. Uh his average exit velocity against was ninety three point oh miles per hour and his sweet spot rate against was thirty six point four percent. Uh, which is, you know, above average. Average exit velocity is a, is a good amount above average. And uh, what's more alarming is only 34.9% of his pitches were in the strike zone, which was the sixth lowest rate of the 109 pitchers to throw 50-plus pitches this weekend. So it's Spencer Turnbull. If you're unaware, he was doing pretty well in 2021, got a no-hitter along with other really good performances that year but unfortunately had to get Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, about halfway into the 2021 season. Missed all of 2022, and uh, Saturday was his first start back. Um, was struggling to find the zone, you know, especially with three walks, and, uh, you know, it turned out to, to bite him. Had some hard contact against him as well. Um, so not great things from Spencer Turnbull to start the year. But, yeah, once again, it is slightly alarming. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, Spencer Turnbull. Slightly alarming. Um, and context on what slight, slightly alarming is. Um, so we, uh, Daniel and I, are are in the same class in the same major at Springfield College, uh, and so therefore we we take a lot of the same classes, especially early in our college careers. So freshman year, we took a class called broadcast writing with the great. Uh, Laura Dabowski. Um, and, uh, so one of our projects in the class was to, um, was to sort of take footage from a regular news segment, news package, as they call it, um, from, uh, was to take that and make it our sort of our own package and take out the commentary that the, uh, and, and the, and the writing and the script, that of the, the original reporter of the original reporter and uh make our own but since so we all we all did the same package which made for some fun do you want to expand on it a little bit yeah so we were doing a story about uh this flooding that was going on in australia yeah and uh one of the sound bites was from this guy saying i forget the full quote i'm sure chris remembers it what was 
what was also astounding was, you know, it's in Australia and they have this completely American guy just yeah. in, in, they picked the only American dude just living in Australia, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to interview. And, um, you know, it was, it was after like, it was after the fires in, mm-hmm. you know, one of the fires, one of the big fires in Australia. And, uh, and then it was, you know, flooding, there was some crazy rain going on and, uh, he was like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know the exact full sentence. We could, we could pull it back up, but, um, he was basically saying that sort of the climate basically was like slightly alarming. Um, and why we, why it's a meme for us is because at one point in the class, since we were all doing it, we just linked up all our, we all hit play at the exact same time and played it and had 10 computers or so uh, playing the same news story at the exact same time. And uh, that American guy in Australia was, you know, the most memeable guy of that, uh, of that thing. And, you know, when, when we decided to do players to highlight, uh, that was the first direction I went to for bad players. Uh, And uh, yeah, that's what it's been for uh, since, since 2020. Yeah. Especially because, you know, it's we really mean it when we say slightly alarming. In most cases, yeah. sometimes we're serious. Like we're like, yeah, this guy's cooked. He's done. Yeah. But you know, mostly it's just like, oh, this guy's in a slump. He'll probably get out of it. Most guys do. Yeah. Uh, but it's more just, hey, this guy's been struggling lately. Just letting you guys know. Here's what they're you know need to improve on. Here's yeah. why they've been struggling. Uh, things like that. I wonder if that guy listens. Like, what if that guy likes baseball and he. Is like why? Why is my voice a staple on this these guys show? <laughs> he like yeah. If he listen, he he listen the first time. Like hmm, that's interesting. And then like, wait, is that is that my voice? Is that my <laughs> voice? I remember I was on that newscast once. Yeah, he just only like during that vacation I went to to Australia. <laughs> yeah, on that vacation. <laughs> yeah, I got stuck there because I couldn't I couldn't travel out of there. Yeah, <laughs> there were too many things going on. <laughs> the, the tarmac was flooded. It was slightly alarming. <laughs> it was slightly alarming. Um, but yeah, that's the context. It's it's some inside jokes. I feel for like sure. that's like the number one guest that we need to have on the show. Like not yeah. not baseball related. You know, not a player, not a reporter. It's got to be the slightly alarming guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he. I, in my head, he only likes Australian-born players, so it's like Peter Moylan and yeah, Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks, <laughs> yeah, he's big big fans of just relief pitchers who just <laughs> go over the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan Roland Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, so yeah, that's that. Those are the those are why we have those particular sound bites for players that are doing good and players that are doing bad. Uh, glad to uh, explain it. Um, Happily, yeah. it's a fun story to tell. It's a fun story to tell. It's and like it's like when uh, it's like having your grandparents tell you the same story, yeah, like seventy times in a row, but you listen because you know they love telling it. <laughs> that's that's how we are with how our segments came to be. Yeah, and I don't think we've actually really gone into it on the podcast. So hopefully we, we can probably use, have. Hope hopefully we can use this as a as a reference point, particularly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so that that does it for players to highlight, and uh, we will get a into a preview of the uh, week ahead. You know w- what the next series series is will look like. I usually go over series to watch. Daniel will go over the 
uh, day by day pitching matchups. Pitching matchups uh, of of what piques his interests. Um, I'm looking at uh, looking at some series to highlight. The series will probably be uh, weird this year. I feel like there's going to be a lot more like four and and two game series. Uh, or actually, maybe that's not the case because those uh, let but how it was before all those uh interleague series was like okay they play two at one ballpark and then two at the other ballpark so it's like what is this what's going on but uh this year i don't think that's uh that's the case my what's what's popping off the page for me is uh yankees phillies uh there's a lot of star power in that series um however i think only one of the uh only one of the two major uh, Phillies starting pitchers is going to be making an appearance in that series. But, I mean, there's going to be some power probably. It's going to be at the Bronx. Uh, we'll see if the Phillies can, you know, Phillies came off a tough series, and, you know, it can only get tougher when you're facing a team like the New York Yankees, uh, who, you know, came into the season as the AL East favorite, despite everyone I see picking the Blue Jays or Rays yeah. um, as, the, uh, <laughs> as the dark horse pick. Um, it's because people want to be edgy. People want to be edgy. That's people for don't sure. want to go with. Oh yeah, I got Yankees, Guardians, Astros in the AL. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, uh, come at me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking at uh, Yankees, Phillies. I believe that should be a three gamer or no? Uh, no, it is a no. I think it's a three. Yeah, it's a three game yeah. series. Uh, and yeah, a great pitching matchup on Wednesday that I'm sure Daniel will get into. Um, and then uh, the other series, uh, Brewers-Mets should be interesting. Probably some good pitching going on in uh, in Brewers-Mets. That's usually how those teams operate. Um, all right, so uh, who do you uh, who, what are you looking at for the day-by-day matchups? So starting on Monday uh, in Mets-Brewers in Milwaukee at 2 p.m. today for the Brewers home opener, you have Carlos Carrasco versus Freddy Peralta. Peralta will be making his return, which is very exciting. Uh, Anthony DiSclefani versus Michael Kopech in Giants-White Sox. Um, you have Tyler Malley versus Johnny Cueto in Twins-Marlins. Uh, Drew Rasmussen will be pitching for the Rays against the Nationals today. He'll be making his first start of the season. Uh, Taiwan Walker versus Nestor Cortez. I've never been so sure that someone is going to homer tonight as I am with Aaron Judge today. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I'm doing something new this season where every day or as many days as I can, I'm going over four matchups, uh, batter-pitcher matchups that where, you know, so far it's been matchups where the batter has had a lot of success. Every now and then I'm going to try to work in a, a one where, like, hey, the pitcher's really gotten the best of this guy. But Aaron Judge has a, I think, 1,300 slugging against Taiwan Walker career in, like, 11 PAs. He has four hits, and all of them are homers. Uh, I am so sure that he's homering tonight. Yeah. Uh, no doubt in my mind. One, because it's Aaron Judge, and two, because he owns Taiwan Walker. Uh, you have the riveting matchup of Johan Oviedo versus Cutter Crawford tonight at Fenway. Chris and I are going to go see it for ourselves with a couple of friends of ours from the show, Nico Fasella and Rob Dickey, the you know, four-fifths of the draft squad. Yep. Very exciting. Yep. Uh, Jose Barrios versus Barry Singer, Brady Singer is an exciting matchup in Blue Jays and Royals. Uh, you have Charlie Morton and Jake Woodford in Braves Cardinals in St. Louis. Kyle Bradish versus John Gray in uh, Orioles Rangers. Uh, Hunter Brown will be pitching tonight for the Astros against the Detroit Tigers. Um, 
and you have the matchup of the night tonight, I think, comes from Angels-Mariners. You have Reed Detmers versus George Kirby, a couple of teams with very deep rotations that are looking to make a playoff push this year that are going to be facing each other. Excuse me, each other. Uh, that's that's where my mind goes for matchup of the night. Um, let me check what we got on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, all right. So the matchup of the day is the first game of the day, so I'll skip that one for now. But you have Hayden Wesneski pitching for the Cubs against the Reds uh, on Tuesday. You have Kenta Maeda making his return from the IL from Tommy John surgery, facing Sandy Alcantara uh, in Twins Marlins in Miami. You have... Uh, Ronesny Contreras making his season debut for the Pirates against the Red Sox. That'll be exciting. I really wish he was pitching tonight. Uh, you have Max Serger versus Wade Miley in Mets Brewers. You have Steven Matz facing the Braves uh, for the Cardinals. Andrew Heaney will be making his season debut against the Orioles for the Rangers at home. You have Framber Valdez pitching for the Astros against the Tigers. Shane Bieber and J.P. Sears will be facing each other in Guardians A's. Jose Suarez and Luis Castillo will be facing each other in Angels Mariners. Herman Marquez and Julio Arias will be facing each other in Rockies Dodgers. And matchup of the day comes from Diamondbacks Padres. It will be Zach Gallen versus Yu Darvish. Oh, wow, yeah. That's a fun one. That's what that's what the Padres get for keeping a. Uh, Darvish back for extra time for, uh, I think, probably health reasons or something. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what you got? Uh, what you got on Wednesday? On Wednesday in Cubs Reds, we have Marcus Stroman versus Hunter Green. That's going to be very fun. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have Shane McClanahan facing the Nationals for the Rays. You're going to have Pablo Lopez making his return to Miami. Oh wow! For the Twins facing Jesus Lazardo. That one will be a lot of fun. Uh, for you know obvious reasons, Miles um, Michaelis will be facing the Braves for the Cardinals. You will have Mitch Keller and Corey Kluber uh, facing each other in Pirates Red Sox. A lot of these games will be a one, by the way. David Peterson and Corbin Burns will be facing each other in Mets Brewers. Uh, Kyle Gibson and Jacob Degrom will be facing each other in Orioles Rangers. Obviously, this is kind of you know the ones going at it a lot, and you it looks like you found the thing. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez and Christian Javier will be facing each other in Tigers and Astros in Houston. Logan Webb versus Dylan Cease in Giants-White Sox. That'll be a fun one. Um, you will have Shohei Otani versus Chris Flexen in Angels-Mariners. Alec Manoa versus Zach Greinke in Blue Jays-Royals. And a pretty obvious matchup of the day comes from Phillies-Yankees. It's Aaron Nola versus Garrett Cole. Yeah, two uh, strikeout minus walk rate kings. Yes. For sure. Yes. Um. So there isn't too much that's announced for Thursday, but Chris Sale will be facing the Tigers for the Red Sox. That'll be a 1 o'clock start. Chris Sale definitely needs a lineup like the Tigers <laughs> right now after yeah. his last start. And also Detroit Yes, needs that. Uh, Edward Cabrera and his 96-mile-an-hour change-ups will be facing Tyler McGill in the Mets at City Field. Kevin Gosman and Jordan Lyles will be facing each other in the opener of Blue Jays-Royals. Alex Wood and Lance Lynn will be facing each other in... Uh, Giants, White Sox, and then Spencer Strider will be facing the Padres for the Braves. Uh, I think uh, if it makes sense, Blake Snell would be going in that game, right? Um, it would probably go back to him. Yeah, well, if because uh, Darvish or because well, wait, who's yeah? The day before is not Darvish or is not a uh, is not Snell. I don't believe. Yeah, so yeah, it would probably come back to to Snell. Let me check. Is Snell? I don't. I mean, I would have just mentioned him if he was pitching on Wednesday. Right. I would assume. 
Yeah. Uh, or do the Padres not play on Wednesday? Snell, who had nine, yeah. nine strikeouts in, in four and a third innings. Okay, yeah, the Pod- that's right. The Padres and Diamondbacks face each other for two, like I mentioned earlier. So they have an off day. So, yeah, I'm just going to go with – he's not announced yet, but matchup of the night for Thursday, I'm going to say, is Blake Snell versus Spencer Strider. Oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go with that, even though there's a lot that hasn't been announced. Lots of strikeouts. Yeah. Lots of strikeouts. And yep. Yeah. Uh, I did finally uh, find the – uh, the the Sandy Koufax thing of of the with the how about that origins, and uh, and yeah, it it really it it's just it could only be made in the '60s, and yeah, it's just a th- giant thing on the scoreboard in scoreboard lettering, and it just says that's the twenty second time this season, Sandy's fan ten or more batters this season, four dots. How about that exclamation point? So, uh, yeah, that's where. I figured, you know, hey, if we're if we're doing a cool stat, we'll just say how about that on the end of the end of that because I feel like specifically in baseball broadcast too, uh, you just hear that a lot. So uh, if it's a good thing, it's a how about that. Um, but yeah, those are uh, that's the preview of the week ahead, um, and that's uh, that's that's uh, this installment of Above Replacement Radio. That's it for. For the first episode, uh, talking about the 2023 MLB season in action um, for the first time. Absolutely. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to check out our digital content, uh, go to the YouTube channel. It's, it is called Above Replacement Radio. We have uh, you know, four players to watch in a uh, condensed version, uh, in a condensed one-minute uh, video. Um, on the on the YouTube channel on YouTube Shorts, go check those out. Um, also, if you're listening on YouTube and uh, want to avoid the uh, weirdness of listening to a podcast on YouTube, just go to the Apple Podcast or Spotify streams and listen to Above Replacement Radio. If you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. You'll see the daily. Uh, batter pitcher matchups, batter pitcher advantages on his Twitter feed. Absolutely. And uh, along with that, uh, follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the updates about the show. Um, and uh, yeah, check out all our predictions. Had a predictions post um, and refresh yourselves on what we think will happen in this MLB season. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you uh, probably Friday where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.